Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Greetings, humans. You have entered the command zone, your destination for all aspects of Elder Dragon Highlander. Enjoy your stay. All right, ready? Set. Welcome to the... Hey, everybody. How's it going? I'm Jimmy Wong. You're listening to the Command Zone. How's it? It's Josh Lee Kwai. And today, we're here. We've arrived. We are here. We are not somewhere else. Behind the microphones, like we usually are. No, actually, we are here because we are doing our very first... Or I guess it's actually our second. It's our first. I don't want to insult the uh, the lovely ladies from Magic the Averaging, but it's our first real Deck Doctors segment. That's right. Because we are going to give away a prize. A prize. As called. promised, we will give away a pack of the dark. Woo. Thank you to Alexander Newman, who is a listener to the show, at Alexander New M on Twitter, for providing us with packs to give away to those of you that have submitted your decks to be doctored. And also, Alex writes for mtgbrodeals.com. You can find his articles there. Uh, the links will be in the show notes. Really cool stuff. Definitely recommend checking it out. Also, because he's giving away free stuff to everybody. So, yeah. you know, it's just the courteous thing to do. I've heard there are no better deals than bro deals. So, <laughs> <laughs> clearly. Um, so, yes, we are doing our first Deck Doctor for a submitted deck today. Uh, we have received a lot of submissions. A lot. Holy crap. Uh, in the uh, hundreds, for yeah. sure. And they keep rolling in every day. Yeah, which is great, by the way. Um, we are super excited to get all the submissions. It gives us a lot to go through. And it also, I mean, I've seen commanders that I didn't even realize were commander decks. I'm like, oh, cool. Like, I didn't realize this is a deck, this is a deck. And it was, it's been very enlightening, I guess, in that regard. Yeah, it's super fun to, like, click through them and check them out and see what everyone else is doing. A lot of people have asked us, when you know a lot of people are sending it in going oh i don't know if the contest is still going but just in case it is the contest is still going yep it will be ongoing yep so anytime you have a deck that you want to submit for the deck doctors section uh we are going to be doing this as an ongoing series you know i'm not going to promise how often we'll do it but intermittently we will do Mm -hmm. one of these segments so keep sending in your decks and you will keep having a chance to win stuff now we have four packs of the dark but after we run out of that, we'll still give you something. Yeah. Wizards has been, of course, as always, very kind in providing us with awesome stuff to give away. So we'll still have lots of prizes as well as our own prizes. We're going to add into it as well. So don't worry. You may not get a pack of the dark, but you could get a sweet pack of something more recent. You never know. 
You never, never know. You, you never, never know. Never, you know. never, never know. Never, never know. Yes. Yeah, so please keep sending in your uh, your deck doctors. Um, and yes, you do need to put them on tappedout.net. This allows us to just thumb through the decks and actually see all the cards. Um, and it's really easy because if you've already typed out the list, guess what? All you have to do is copy and paste that into tapped out and you've got a deck list. It's really simple and it helps us out and it will also massively increase your chances of getting chosen for the show. Yeah, if you don't do that, I'm telling you again, we will not choose the deck. Yep. Sorry, it's just too hard. <laughs> We've got hundreds of them to go through. If I if it's not untapped out and easy for me to look at, I just got to go to the next one. So that's just how we both feel about it. I have a pro tip. Josh actually lights the email on fire if it's not untapped out. <laughs> I print it out and light it on fire. It's not true, but it would be awesome. <laughs> oh, then I put it into a barrel full of gasoline, and as that's exploding, I walk away and I don't flinch. Yep. Yep, like Denzel. Well, oh, man on fire. Yes. Great movie. Um, I have a pro tip also. Okay. If you're planning on entering the contest uh, with your deck submission for Deck Doctors, if you submit a general that we've already covered in a previous episode, I'm not saying you're ch- you've got a 0% chance of winning. I'm just saying it's way less likely. Yeah, unless there's something super special about it. Yeah, um, it has to be crazy different from what we talked about. Even then, there's so many commanders out there for us to do a repeat segment it's gonna have to be insane you're gonna have to have done something that literally blows our mind so if you've got that sure if not then choose one of your decks that's based around a commander that we haven't talked about before yeah totally that's just Um, gonna up your percentage chance of being talked about on the show and winning prizes yep and also we don't want to have that one guy commenting being like hey you guys have already covered this commander oh yeah we'll we'll get back (laughs) listen that guy's commenting no matter what we do yeah it's true (laughs) he's gonna say something uh excuse me you guys did deck doctor last week with the magic the amateur guests (laughs) (laughs) yes sorry i'm just missing actually thank you for commenting we appreciate it because we also are looking for itunes reviews it's really easy you just find our podcast on itunes and leave a review and what it does is help increase our search results so if someone's looking up commander podcast we pop closer up to the top and it just increases our visibility and helps out the show as a whole which is great yeah it helps us get more product from wizards it helps us get more exposure which helps us get more awesome guests it's good for everybody so for our self-esteem good for our (laughs) self-esteem and also actually writing a review rather than just doing a star rating Mm -hmm. does also help so be sure to do that um that's and, our version of an app telling you, like, hey, would you like to re- rate this yeah. show? <laughs> yeah, I <laughs> always click app? later, but <laughs> I'm going to start actually doing it because i got to practice what I preach here. Yeah, you can't be a hypocrite. Yeah. We're also on YouTube. Woo! Uh, and if you're watching this on YouTube, we never address the YouTube people oh, that's right. directly, but if you're watching this on YouTube, I would say the audio-only version of the episodes usually comes out a little bit before the video episodes. So if you are chomping at the bit, you can... I would, I would recommend subscribing to us both on iTunes and on YouTube, mm-hmm. and then you know you can get it as early as possible that way. Yeah, and um, a big shout-out to all of our 2,500 subscribers on YouTube. You guys are all awesome. A lot of you have come over from uh, the Professor's channel as well as Wedge's channel, so we super appreciate your support. Yeah, we've gotten a lot of new subscribers just in the last couple of weeks. Uh, we've only been up on YouTube for, uh, I think, a month now, so yeah, that's pretty, just we're pretty happy with, with that. Um, I will also say that this episode specifically is going to be a good one to watch on YouTube. Yes, agreed. Because there's just going to be a lot of cards talked about. We're going to try and read them all. Or we can't read them all specifically, mm-hmm. every point about them, because that there's just too many cards. But we're going to try and make sure that everyone listening can follow along. But if you have the ability to watch this on YouTube rather than just listen to it, it's going to be easier to follow. So Yeah, definitely. 
All right, you ready to jump in? I am ready to jump in. I think you know. I'll, I'm going to call that whole uh, subscribe to us, do this stuff. That's our upkeep. That's our upkeep. That's step. the upkeep. Yeah. All right. So now we're moving on to the main phase, which is deck doctor time. Woo! Let's see who our first winner is and what deck they submitted. So, uh, do you want to read the the commander first? Sure. It is Alesha who smiles at death. Alesha, also Magic's very first transgender character in Vorthos, which is really cool. Yeah, very cool. And she smiles at death, which is also pretty badass. Cool, or maybe just plain scary. Yeah, I'm a big fan of all of these new uh, legendary creatures from Fate Reforged and this whole set because there's tons of really cool stuff going on with these guys. Yeah, and it's also... They're very interesting in that they're monocolored, except for that they have mm-hmm. an activation cost that is not. So, well, I'm sure there are a bunch of people that submitted Alesha, and they're wondering which one of them That's right. has won. So, yes, a lot of people submitted, but we are going to base this deck, Doctors, off one specific deck and one specific person's submission. Drum roll. And the winner is... I'm saying it. Because you, you're better with French. That's right. Guillaume Barbier. Congratulations, Guillaume. Congratulations, Hopefully, Guillaume. That's actually how you say your name, and it's not... We were talking about this earlier. If it was like an Americanized version, it was actually like Guillaume Barbier. I think that's probably <laughs> not what it is. Yes, congratulations, Guillaume. You sent us an email uh, about this deck, and what you said was, quote... The problem I'm having right now is I want it to mill a bit more. I know that green and blue is really good at doing it, but with Alesha's colors, which are black, white, and red, I don't really know what to play except discard spells and artifacts that can mill me. Also, I find it really easy to kill her uh, with only having a toughness of two. So what I'd like to know is, is there a way to mill myself faster with these colors? And is there any way I can protect Alesha from death, pun intended, except by using a, uh, outside of using equipment and more equipment? So... Well, let's good read, questions. Yeah, good, very good questions. Let's read Alesha really quickly Correct. here. So <clears throat> this is why you want, he's looking to mill, by the way, is because Alesha says... Alesha is two and a red for a 3-2 legendary creature, human warrior. She has first strike. Whenever Alesha, who smiles at death, attacks, you may pay hybrid Orzov, hybrid Orzov. So either two white, two black, or a white and a black. And if you do pay that, Return target creature card with power two or less from your graveyard to the battlefield, tapped and attacking. So she attacks, you pay that activated cost, or that triggered ability cost, sorry, and then you choose a creature with power two or less in your graveyard, and you put it onto the battlefield, and it's tapped and attacking. Yep. So first first thing that's come to mind is she's good at attacking because she's first strike. Yep. Um, she's cheap. She's cheap. The yeah. activation cost is cheap as well because yep. a lot of... A lot of the other character, um, creatures that are legendary creatures in this cycle cost a little bit more. more I think yep. she's actually the cheapest with um, white and black, just two total. Yeah, Shu Yun costs two also, but it's equal. Yeah, exactly. Um, and it's really good for abusing stuff, like enter the battlefield abilities, clearly. Yep. And also, it's cheating something directly into play. Mm-hmm. We've talked about this many times. Cheating of mana cost is one of the, probably the single most broken thing you can do yeah. in Magic. Um and it's also not tied to the converted mana cost of the creature. It's mm-hmm. tied to the power of the creature. So we're going to get into how that affects how we might build this deck. But anyway, so obviously what Alesha wants is she wants creatures in your graveyard that have power two or less so she can bring them out onto the battlefield for two mana. And that is her smiling at death saying, hey, you're not quite so dead yet. And another important thing to note is a lot... Usually these kinds of abilities... Um, 
get rid of the creature at the end of combat or at the end step they either get exiled or just or it's a token that you put onto the battlefield um in this case alesha keeps them around which is really important yeah Um, once they're on the battlefield as long as nothing else removes them they're fine. They stay. Yeah. Well, as long as nothing specifically blocks them, I think is another big thing. Right. They well, do something could block them, and they could they could defeat it in combat. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Or they could just attack someone that can't block, which True. is good too. Yep. Okay. So let's talk about Guillaume's current build. Um, so he had mentioned the two issues that he thought he was having, which was self mill. So he was having trouble getting the cards he wanted into his graveyard mm-hmm. to lose to use with Alicia. And then he's worried about protecting Alesha, which he says, uh, I find it really easy to kill her because she only has two toughness. Yeah. So those are the two problems he identified. Now, as the deck doctors, we're actually going to make our own diagnosis. So... Beep. 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 <laughs> That's just we're in the hospital. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> the no, no. The deck's not dying. <laughs> Sorry. How, how, what, what do you do when it's doing well? Uh, beep, no, beep, no, no, no. It does is, it speed up? Wait, hold on. The deck is dying. I just play. I just oh. paid hybrid Orzhov. Clear. That's the and we're defibrillator. Back. Yeah, we're, we're bringing the we're deck good. back onto the battlefield, tapped and attacking. Wow. <laughs> we should have been on ER or, or house or something, because that was just awesome. Clearly house. <laughs> uh, yeah, paddle things. Shock him into life. Uh, My girlfriend, who is an ER nurse, is... Well, she doesn't listen to the show, but if she did, <laughs> she, would be, she would be no. She would be rolling her eyes. They would have rolled directly out of her head and onto the floor by now. Yeah. yeah. Well, she would need an ER nurse if that happened. Holy crap! <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's take a look at Yom's current build. Um, we're not going to be able to talk about every card he's got in there right now, so I'm just going to talk about some of the things that I noticed. So, the first thing I notice is actually that the deck is a bit unfocused. Mm-hmm how he has it built now. So it's for some examples. He has things like Soul Warden, Soul's Attendant, and Wall of Reverence. Soul Warden and Soul's Attendant, they give you life when other creatures come into play. Mm-hmm. Wall of Reverence gives you life uh, for like your highest power creature. So this is just light, pure life gain cards. I mean, mostly mm-hmm. uh, because they're small creatures. They're not going to be attacking. They don't have any other function. This is kind of... it. it well, you'll see. We're going to go down the list a little farther. Do you want to read the next two? Yeah, and one thing I'll say as well, a card like Soul Warden is great in a token-based deck, and uh, just because you want, you know, if you're going to use this ability to gain one life, you'd, you'd rather have it happen because you're putting eight tokens on the battlefield instead of one creature per combat, if that makes sense. It, uh, it's not the type of card I even like in very many token decks unless you're doing something also with that life gain. Mm-hmm. So just gaining life just to gain it, doesn't do a lot, especially if you don't have a lot of support for it. Yeah. It's just like, hey, this one card gains me life randomly, yeah. and I don't know why. So There is a bit of a token sub-theme in the original build, though, which is why we mentioned it. Uh, Heliod, God of the Sun, is also in the deck, who is one of the legendary creature gods that for a 2 and 2 white, you can put a 2-1 white cleric enchantment creature token on the battlefield. Um, and it also does give your other creatures vigilance. And then there's also the Herald of Anafenza, which was from Cons of Tarkir, which can outlast... So you tap it and you put a plus one, plus one counter on it for a certain mana cost. And every time that happens, you put a one, one warrior creature token on the battlefield. Again, so now you're sort of dipping your toe in the water of the token deck version Mm -hmm. of this. So you've got a little life gain, a little bit of token creation. Then there's some things like Dragon Throne of Tarkir, Ankle Shanker, Mardu Ascendancy. So Dragon Throne of Tarkir is an equipment. It costs four mana. It says equipped creature has defender and... 
It also gains this ability. Pay two and tap the equipped creature. Other creatures you control gain trample and get plus X plus X until end of turn where X is this creature's power and has equipped cost of three. It's a good card in the right deck. The problem is you're building a deck that has a bunch of creatures with power two Mm -hmm. because that's what Alesha can bring back. So in this deck, Dragon Throne of Tarkir is specifically not that good because you're sort of hampered on the amount of power that any urban creature can have. Yeah. Now, we can cheat that. We're going to talk about that later. But still, in the build he's got right now, this this card just doesn't seem that great. Um, Ankle Shanker is actually, and Mardu Ascendancy both, Ankle Shanker says when it attacks, it gives all of your attacking creatures uh, first strike and death touch. And then Mardu Ascendancy says any non-token creature that attacks, you put a 1-1 one, one Goblin into play. Mm-hmm. And you can sacrifice it to give your creatures a plus zero, plus three until the right. turn. So Ankle Shanker and Mardu Ascendancy don't actually activate off of Alesha's ability because there's no point at which the creature attacks. It is attacking. So Ankle Shanker, if you brought it back with Alesha, it won't work. Oh, really? Yeah, because it says when Ankle Shanker attacks. So Ankle Shanker and Mardu Ascendancy are specifically like anti-synergistic with what Alicia's doing. Mm-hmm. So those two cards... I don't like it all. Then we've got so so we've got a little bit of like mass pump or give all or sort of get a bonus from a bunch of creatures attacking. You got a little bit of tokens. So those two things do sort of go together. You got a little bit of random life game. Then we've got this next section. Yeah, and it's got one of my favorite cards of all time, the Dictate of Erebos, but it the deck itself the best way to use Dictate of Erebos is if you have a way to get rid of your creatures uh, at instant speed so that you can force everyone to sacrifice yep. at a time of your choosing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Dictate of Erebos is the same as... Um, Grave Pact. Grave Pact. Uh, just costs one more uh, colorless instead of uh, a black mana symbol and has flash, and it says whenever a creature you control dies, each opponent sacrifices a creature. So it's a really good card for EDH, but there's just not much sacrificing going on in this deck. Yeah, exactly. If, you don't, if you're just counting on your opponents to kill your creatures then Dictative Erebos is not that great. Mm-hmm. And you I need can, to be specifically controlling your own creature's deaths. Yeah, I can see where it might seem like it's a good idea because it's like, oh, now they can't block as well. Uh, because right. if they do, then they're going to have to kill a guy if they end up killing this creature or whatever. But it's giving them the choice, and that's inherently way less powerful because mm-hmm. if they have a creature they don't want to die, they just won't block at all. Yep. And if they have one they can sacrifice, then they will. So you don't want to put your... Uh, opponents in the position of being able to make the right choice so i don't like that card uh, a lot in this deck as it's currently built there's also goblin sharpshooter which is basically a tim that untaps anytime something dies yeah and doesn't untap otherwise yeah so again you need to be controlling when things are dying to take full advantage of something like the goblin sharpshooter in that case you might sacrifice like 10 tokens and stack all the triggers so that goblin goblin sharpshooter also hits something for 10 damage or somebody yeah. So that's, it's like, there's just a lot of stuff in here, a lot going on. There's also some cards that I just labeled as too low impact. Yeah. And I would agree with these as well. Legion Loyalist is an excellent card, I think, for standard. I think when it was around, I'm sure it had some impact. It's a one drop red, one one with haste with battalion. And whenever it and two other creatures attack, creatures you control gain first strike and trample and can't be blocked by creature tokens. So I mean this is a fine card in a deck that just wants to run at your opponent that has 20 life, but in a game of 40 life where you're trying to kill uh, 3 to 4 other people, it doesn't really have the impact that I think you're looking for. Yeah, it's just 
if you draw it on turn 10, it does nothing. Yeah. Because who cares if you give your stuff first strike? Mm-hmm. Like, Alesha already has first strike, so it's not even giving it to her. And then, I mean, they're going to have stuff that's way too big for a couple of two-power or three-power creatures with yeah. first strike to get through. The token clause on that is not really ever going to come into effect, I don't think. Yeah. Um, there's another card called Aki Underminer. Now, this card seems good. It's three in a red. It's got a kiki-jiki-looking guy on yeah, it. Yeah, it does. It's, th- it's three in a red for a 1-1. One, one. It says, whenever it attacks and deals combat, combat damage to a player, that player sacrifices a permanent. So that seems great. Problem is, it's a 1-1. One, one. Alesha doesn't do anything to make the thing that she brings in unblockable. Mm-hmm. So you attack with her. It comes in tapped and attacking. They just block it. And also, if they don't, it's not that bad. They sacrifice a permanent of their choice. So it can be just an extra land. It can be so many things. I don't think this card is as good as it looks on the surface. So I would definitely lose that. Just because it's a legal target for Alesha's ability does not mean you should necessarily throw it in. Um, And I think that's, that's kind of the the deal with a lot of these cards that are a little unfocused in the deck. Yeah, and that's the big thing. It's just the deck feels like it needs focus. So we've got some tokens, some sac effects, some pump, some life gain, uh, some weenie madness, as we used to call it back in the day. Yeah, and there's a little bit of like warrior synergy in here as well with the Erish and Foremost and some other stuff. Mm -hmm. So that stuff, I think we need to take and focus the deck. Mm -hmm. So, and... We're going to go on to talk about what changes we would make now. One other thing is that the deck has about nine card draw cards and about four ramp cards. So that's just something to keep in mind moving forward. We're pretty low on ramp. Yeah. So we're going to have to add some ramp. That's probably going to be mana rocks. We may or may not talk about them because, you know, talking about Gilded Lotus and Thrawn Dynamo is not that exciting. <laughs> but those are some things that I, the deck d- definitely needs. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's talk about a couple of different ways to build Alesha. Because if we're saying that the deck is not focused, then one of the main things we want to do is focus it. Yeah. There's kind of two main ways that pop into your mind immediately as ways that you might build her. Yeah. Uh, The first is kind of where the deck was maybe moving towards originally, which is the swarm effect. You have lots of little guys. Um, You're going wide, so you're putting cards across the board instead of focusing everything on one or two big creatures. Um, it's where a card like um, Dragon Throne of Tarkir is good because you're pumping up a lot of dudes, um, and it's kind of like the overwhelming stampede version of decks that want to kill creatures and players in one turn, in one big swing, and sort of end the game quickly. Upside, it's fast, can be really good 1v1, um, can be really hard to deal with if the opponent doesn't have a board wipe. Uh, downside, definitely not very good in multiplayer because the board wipe, again, is the big thing that really messes you up. And when you have four people with seven-card hands, there's a good chance someone has something in there that's going to make your day really hard. Even beyond that, um, just you might have enough speed to sort of get one person out. Yeah. But then the other two players have had time to play a bunch of like five and six mana spells, which are usually like big creatures. Like if they get Avacyn and a couple of five fives out, like what do you do? Yeah. You can't attack through that stuff. They just eat you up. So... It doesn't have the gas to take on a lot of players in a big game. Um, and also the 40-point starting life total is sort of already working against decks like this. Yeah, definitely. So it's not that Swarm decks are bad. It's just that they're a lot tougher. Yeah, and also these aren't the colors that you want to build a Swarm deck in that has uh, late-game potential. You know, Crater of Behemoth is a card that you want in a Swarm deck. Any of the green cards that give creatures trample specifically... 
uh, are really good. And in Alesha's case, none of those colors are in her color pie. She is Mardu. She's red, white, and black. So those are hard to build the token theme around. Uh, so there's another way, though, that you could build this. Yeah, and we're going to call this cheating. So this is finding loopholes in the part of her text that says creature with power two or less. So this is things that are power two or less in your graveyard, but then when you put them on the battlefield, they're a lot bigger than that, or they do other things. Or they cost a lot more than the yes. regular two. Uh, tough, uh, There's a lot of creatures, creatures that are like six mana, but they're two power. Well, you know that creature's doing something else. My favorite card in the world is something that falls under this category. Kiki-jiki. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Except so, it comes in tapped, which is like, wah. <laughs> but it's, but it's, um, it's yeah, he, you kiki-jiki attacking is not as good, but still... Uh, he's blazing his own path. Yeah. <laughs> so it's it's getting, it's cheating because you're taking something that costs more mana and you're only paying two mana for it because that's what her ability costs. Mm-hmm. So the upside is you have a much better top end because your cards are just more powerful. You have a better chance to win a longer game so that it's better in multiplayer. The mm-hmm. downside is it's going to be a little slower than a swarm build and it won't be as good in one-on-one. Yeah. Although I think Alesha is always going to be a little bit good on one-on-one because she only costs three mana. So yeah. You always have something to do on turn three. So you're always just going to be pretty fast compared to most EDH decks. Yeah, and she actually is a legitimate threat to potentially kill someone with commander yeah. damage too, because there's a lot of different ways to... I mean, of course, there are, you should always have cards that can protect your general from being targeted and give her hexproof and stuff. So Alesha does have that option, which is always nice. So we obviously decided to go, to go with the cheating option. We do like our value. Yeah, on the and show. that's just more what EDH is generally about. Mm-hmm. It's about like doing things in a manner that you're not able to get away with in other formats. Yeah, you know, putting combos together, cheating things out, getting big stuff. You know, before you should be able to be, pay for it, uh, mana wise. So that's sort of the fun of our format. So we're not going to exactly stick to the fifty dollar limit here. Yeah, but what we're going to do is we're going to talk about some categories, and then we'll talk about some cheap options within the category and some more expensive options. So if you do have the means, you can add in the expensive ones, Guillaume. But if you don't, it's fine. You don't need them. There'll be plenty of options on the cheaper end of the scale. Yeah, and these are the same kinds of cards that eventually, once you get your, a hold of one or whatever, you can just slot it into the deck. It's not necessary to go out and spend you know 800 bucks to upgrade a deck. Yeah, in fact, you can probably uh, upgrade this deck quite a bit fairly cheaply here because there's a mm-hmm. lot of cards that can help that aren't expensive. So, yeah, and that's the appeal of this general as well, is there are lots of cards that fit in this category that can be really good for this kind of deck. And um, you actually do already have some good cards in the deck that uh, should definitely stay there. Um, the first one that comes to mind is Mindclaw Shaman, which is just a very powerful card in EDH in general, uh, especially if you know the decks you're playing against. Like, if you're playing against a Shu Yun deck, you, this card is gas. Uh, it's a four and a red for a 2-2 that says when it enters the battlefield, target opponent reveals his or her hand, and you may cast an instant or sorcery card from that player's hand without paying its mana cost. This is EDH. You could be dropping, like, a, an Insurrection on turn five, or even earlier if you get this into the graveyard with Alesha. You can do crazy stuff. I mean, yeah, if you get Alesha out on turn three and then play this on turn four for the two mana, guy's the limit. Yeah. If you know everybody's decks, if somebody's playing a Narset deck or a Jaleva deck or something that's got a lot of big instants and sorceries, you might get two free extra turns right there or something crazy, (laughs) you know? Yeah. So that card is incredibly powerful and exactly what we were talking about. So that's already in there. Good job, Guillaume. Um, Another card I like is Archetype of Finality. Oh, yes. So this is four and two black. 
or a 2-3. So it's a six mana 2-3. So this is the kind of stuff we're looking for because I'm getting a four mana discount when I use Alesha to cheat this out. I love me a discount. It's a Gorgon. It says, creatures you control have death touch and creatures your opponents control can't, they lose death touch and can't gain death touch. Oh, very nice. So it gives you death touch, takes death touch away from everything else. Now, Alesha has first strike. So first strike and death touch, extremely powerful because what happens is you go to combat, you go to the first strike damage, she hits you with death touch, and then before you can crack back on the normal damage part of combat, you're dead. Yep. Death touch took you out. So it's like one of the oldest combos in the book. Yep. So very, very powerful. Uh, I like that card a lot. Uh, and the other one, Disciple of Bolas, is also just a great commander card. It was actually in the last commander set. It's a three and a black for a human wizard. That's a 2-1. And when Disciple of Bolas enters the battlefield, sacrifice another creature, you gain X life and draw X cards where X is that creature's power. So this is just great because you get a lot of things with this. You get card draw, and you also get to trigger another creature to potentially go back to the graveyard. Like if you had your... Mindclaw Shaman out. You could just disciple. You could cycle the Disciple of Bolas in each turn and get that out and get the Mindclaw Shaman back in, and then keep casting giant instants or sorceries. So it's nice to have that option, and the card draw is very important in general. And as we're always saying, you need card draw and you need ramp, but you mm-hmm. want the card draw and the ramp to fit into the existing strategy that you're already trying to obtain. So Disciple of Bolas is a creature with power two or less. Yep. But it's also card draw, so it fits perfectly into the deck. It's doing the things that we need to do in the way that we want to do them. Yep. Okay, so now we're going to move into the section of the cards we would add. So all that last stuff is either cards that's already in there or cards we would take out that are in there now. This mm-hmm. is that real doctoring. Yep. This is where the real surgeons get to work. So we know what we want to do. We want to be cheating stuff in that cost that has a higher CMC than their power would dictate. So it has power two or less. Um, and keep in mind, it can also be power zero, don't forget, or even star, star counts as power two or less, Sometimes. Correct? Sometimes, yeah. Uh, and so we're trying to cheat in big things and abuse Alesha's ability to the maximum. So, so the first thing that might be good to cheat in is Ignition Team. Conspiracy, shout out. Yeah, Conspiracy. So Ignition Team is five and two red, so seven mana for a zero, zero. This uh, is exactly what we're looking for. So good. <laughs> so Alesha can definitely bring this guy back. It's a zero zero goblin warrior, but it says ignition team enters the battlefield with X one one counters on it, where X is the number of tapped lands on the battlefield. So your tap lands, everybody else's tap lands, add it all up. This thing can be a twenty seven twenty seven. I mean, yeah. fairly easily. If you cheat this out on turn four, let's say, or there are three other players, if they all tapped out. Then you've got two tap lands from Alesha. Mm-hmm. They've all got four tap lands. It's a 14-14 tapped and attacking on turn four. Pretty good. That's not bad. Also, it has an activated ability. It says pay two in a red, remove a 1-1 counter from Ignition Team, and target land becomes a 4-4 red elemental creature until end of turn. It's still a land. So you can start turning your lands into dudes and attacking with them every turn. Pretty good. At instant speed, no less. And can yep. also become a nice blocker. Yep. So... Uh, the Ignition team is a part of a series of creatures from Conspiracy, and all of them are pretty good. The white one is my favorite for Limited, uh, and it also would be awesome in this deck. But yeah, being able to pay two mana and get something giant out because yep. of Ignition team's ability is really powerful. So that's the first thing we might cheat in. Um, in fact, creatures that are zero zeros and come in with counters, they're all candidates for what Alesha wants to be done because they are all look like they're zero zeros, but then when they enter the battlefield, they're actually something else. 
yeah, uh, including this next guy. And Tavis, uh, it's a seven mana uh, artifact creature construct. That's a zero zero. Was also in the Commander 2014 set. Uh, enters the battlefield with five plus one plus one counters on them. You can pay one colorless to remove a plus one plus one counter from Pentavis and put a one one colorless Pentavite Pentavite Pentavite. I don't know artifact creature token with flying on the battlefield. It can also pay one to sacrifice a Pentavite and put a plus one plus one counter on Pentavis. So he has the ability to take a counter off of him. And if you look at the art, he has these little things like rising out of his body. It's really cool. Like he makes a little Pentavite that flies around, and you can sacrifice it to put it back onto him. So. This card's great. It's got a ton of uh, flexibility. Yes, And exactly. it comes in as a 5-5. Five, five. Um, the ability to put colorless 1-1 one, one flyers on the battlefield is also really important, too, because sometimes you need to go over your opponent's head or you need to find a way to block their giant you know, 12-12 flyer. And just having a 1-1 one, one sitting there, thanks to this guy, is really effective, especially if you're starting to cycle him. And you can get five, five, fives, five, one, ones every single time he comes back out. Yeah, that's one of the really powerful things about him is you attack with Alesha, you activate her, you put Pendivus out and then hit him for five. And then before, on the end step before your turn or at any point, you pay the five mana, make five, one, one flyers, Pendivus dies. Mm-hmm. She's exactly where you want him. So you can do the same thing again. Yep. So very, very strong card. Also means if you have to, you can swing at Alesha activate bring pentavis in and if even if they can block and kill it you still can retain some value because you can drop off a couple of the flyers Mm -hmm. and so you can keep you know it's like oh they can block and kill it but every time they do that i still get three one one flyers it's pretty good let's say by turn four when you're swinging with alesha you have four mana you pay two to get this guy out if alesha's ability just said every time she attacks you can pay two and then you can get two Two, one 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 flyers flyers, that's that's pretty good yeah paying four for that's great so good times uh, there's also some guys we can cheat in that sort of break the rules of the card as it's spoken. So yeah. the next one is called Master of Cruelties. This guy is so great. Yeah, it's three, a black, and a red. So it's five mana for a 1-4 demon. It has first strike and death touch. So it's very tough to block. The next line of text doesn't matter if you bring it, if you bring him in with Alesha. So the next line of text says, Master of Cruelties can only attack alone. Well, guess what? If you activate him and Alesha brings him in tapped and attacking already, you don't have to worry about that part of the, of the text. He can still be attacking with five or six other creatures because yep. he came in attacking. You never attacked with him. Yeah, notably another card that cheats this guy in would be Kalia of the Vast. Yep. So In very, the same manner. Yeah, yeah. Yep. The, the next part of the text is the kicker. Yep. Whenever Master of Cruelty attacks and isn't blocked, that player's life total becomes one. Master of Cruelties deals no damage in combat this turn. So, yeah, it can't actually kill them generally because it can only attack alone. And if they don't block it, it puts them to one and then it doesn't deal any damage. Mm -hmm. However, with Alesha, she's still attacking. And it's at the point where it's not blocked that it puts their life total to one. So, yeah. So by the time first strike damage happens, they're dead dead. because Alesha's there going, poke. So you could very easily kill somebody on turn four with this. Yeah. Yeah, this is a super mean card, but it does get around the rules of what the card itself says, which is a very powerful thing to do. So yep, yep. the next guy's actually kind of similar. Yeah, it's a Raving Dead, four in the black. He's kind of like a um, quietest spike on a creature. He's a 2-6 creature zombie. Ooh, love that, 2-6. He has <laughs> Death Touch. Um, at the beginning of combat on your turn, choose an opponent at random. Raving Dead attacks that player this combat if able. Guess what? doesn't apply if you're taking him out of the graveyard because combat has already begun and he comes in when you declare attackers. So you're going to choose uh, who he attacks. Yep. 
And whenever Raving Dead deals combat damage to a player, that player loses half of his or her life rounded down. So uh, it's amazing. You can just you can get half their life, and then you deal extra damage on top of that because you know Alesha's dealing. So it's, if someone's at like forty, and he and Alesha attack, you take them to thirty-five, and then you round down, so they lose seventeen life. Pretty intense. Which means they just lost twenty life, basically. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's, um, it's brutal. Yeah, very brutal. A good card in general to have in. EDH because there's always going to be someone that yeah. tapped out or did something and was like, oh, I don't have a creature yet. Well, normally with Raving Dead, you don't get to choose to attack that person. Right. But with Alesha, you get around that that uh, little qualifier and you can actually choose who he's attacking. So, yeah, yeah very powerful. Uh, the next guy is one of those star star creatures you're talking about. Now, not every star star creature is a star in this deck is Oof. two power or less in the graveyard. It depends on the wording on the text. Right. Some of those uh, state based. Uh, I think it's a state-based thing. Anyway, so, like like a Tarmogoyf would be whatever it would be, mm-hmm. even in the graveyard. Right. But this guy's wording is specific. So it's Sewer Nemesis. It's three and a black for a star star. It's a horror. It says, as Sewer Nemesis enters the battlefield, choose a player. Now, when it's in the graveyard, this text is not active because you can't choose mm-hmm. a player because it hasn't entered the battlefield. Sewer Nemesis's power and toughness are equal to the number of cards in the chosen player's graveyard. Whenever the chosen player casts a spell, that player puts the top card of his or her library into his or her graveyard. This card is great in this deck. It's doing exactly everything you want to do. It comes out, you choose yourself, you have a lot of cards in your graveyard because that's what your deck's trying to do, so it's big. Mm-hmm. It also mills you. What did Yom say he needed to do more? Mill himself. Yep. So this card is a huge hitter. It could come out on turn, you know, four, five, six, and be a 10-10 or a 12-12, and then it also mills you. Very, very good. Very good. Um, the next one's tricky, but it's really good. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this card's great. It's Wall of Blood. Two in the black for a wall that's a 0-2, and it has Defender, so this creature can't attack. But guess what? We are putting a wall out no matter what, and we're making an attack because Alesha is not afraid of death. She's not afraid of no walls of blood either. She's going to just force this guy slash girl. The wall will come into play tapped and attacking. (laughs) And it has an ability that says pay one life wall of blood gets plus one plus one until end of turn. You know what this is? This is a win condition. This is a, oh, kill you. (laughs) Yeah. You can't block the wall of blood. I'll pay 19 life. And hit you for 20. Yep. Which is pretty insane if you think about it. Um, Because in a 1v1 situation, this card is just amazing. Yep. Um, Because you can just essentially... I mean, like, with Alesha attacking, let's say it's 1v1 and you guys are both at 40 life, you can just pay 37 life. And kill them as long as they can't block. Yeah, and if they don't block, they just die to the wall of blood. Yep. Um, Super, super powerful. This this thing is awesome. Uh, Yeah, so let's talk about a couple of the expensive options. So there are two cards that I've pinpointed. Um, both are a little bit spendy. One is a very favorite card of Jimmy's. I'll let you go ahead and read it. Yeah, it's one of my favorite cards of all time. And it actually is one of the expensive cards I could not include in the deck doctoring for... Um, yeah, it would have been Nahiri perfect in, uh, in Maria's deck for sure. Yeah, yeah. It's the Stoneforge Mystic, one in the white for a 1-2 creature, Core Artificer. When Stoneforge Mystic enters the battlefield, you may search your library for an equipment card, reveal it, put it into your hand, then shuffle your library. And it also has an ability for one in the white, and you can tap this creature. You may put an equipment card from your hand onto the battlefield. So Stoneforge Mystic is one of the most powerful cards ever printed in Magic yep, the Gathering. It's played legacy in Legacy decks yeah. based around it. Specifically, cheating out Batterskull into yep. play with this card. Um, and 
untapping with Stoneforge Mystic, the sky's the limit again. You can put anything in your hand. It doesn't have to be the card that she finds as well. So it's a tutor. It helps you cheat out creatures. I mean, it uh, helps you cheat out equipment, and it's a 1-2, so it fits within Alesha's guidelines, and it's in the colors. This is one of the best cards you can put in the deck, but it is expensive. Yeah, it's about $30, I believe. Yeah. Um, so it's spendy, but if you have the means or you already have one, Definitely, this deck wants that card. The yeah. other one is a card we talk about a lot. It's Sarah Ascendant. You haven't mentioned it recently, Nick. No, we haven't yeah. in a while. Uh, it's one of those cards people often list as a, a card that they might like to have banned. Yeah. Um, and this deck really would take advantage of it. Sarah Ascendant is one white mana for a 1-1 human monk. It has lifelink. But it also says, as long as you have 30 or more life, Sarah Ascendant gets plus 5, plus 5, and has flying so it's one of those creatures that's a 1-1 one, one in your graveyard, but it's a 6-6 six, six flying lifelinker when it's on the battlefield. Ooh-wee. Yeah, very, very powerful. It's another card that just it widens the gap between you and, you and your opponents by so much. When you get Saracen out early, it, it feels like it's going to be hard for you to lose. Yeah, because every single time she, the Saracen attacks, it just puts you further into the qualifier of you have more, 30, more than 30 life. Right. Insane. All right, Very so that's card. the uh, that those are the cheating things into play category. Now we're going to move into the self mill category, which Guillaume said was an issue. Mm-hmm. So we're going to talk about some cards that he didn't have on his list, but can really be used as a self mill uh, to, to accomplish that task. Yeah. Uh, the first one is one of my favorite types of cards. It's Reforge the Soul. Yeah, this is a card from Avacim Restored. It's in the Miracle category, and Miracle is a really fun ability that says, for a certain cost, you can cast the card for its Miracle cost when you draw it, if it's the first card you drew this turn. So it goes untap, upkeep, draw, and as soon as you draw the card, you can't put it in your hand. You have to reveal it if you want to cast it for its Miracle cost. Otherwise, it just costs its regular CMC in the top right. And the Miracle cost is almost always one mana, right? Yeah, but, one or one in, yeah. a, and a color mana, yeah. Um, and so Reforge the Soul is exactly Wheel of Fortune. Yep. So everybody discards their hand and then draws seven new cards. Woo! Sounds good to me. Yep. So Guillaume was saying it was hard to get cards in the graveyard. Well, that's a really good way to do it. And not only does it put a bunch of cards in the graveyard, it doesn't actually cost you any cards out of your hand. Mm-hmm. It just costs you a little bit of mana. It costs three and two uh, red if you don't miracle it. Yeah, which and... Is- and importantly, you decide when you want to do it. So if you have like a Swift of Boots in your hand, you get to play that out. You get to do all the other stuff. And then you keep all the cards that you want to bring back with Alesha. Reforge the Soul, Winds of Wrath, uh, Wheel of Fortune. Any of these cards do the same thing. I think Reforge the Soul is the cheapest out of all of them, though. Only if you miracle it, yeah. Another way to do it is with creatures. So you can actually... It's similar to the Disciple of Bolas. Here where we were saying, well, we want to draw cards, but we also want it to fit within our strategy. Mm-hmm. Well, you can find creature cards that with power two or less that self-mill you. Yeah, yeah. This card is amazing, by the way. I think this is an all-star in the deck. Yeah, this card is very, very good in the deck. Um, I'll read it. It's Thought Gorger. It's two and two black for a 2-2 horror. It has trample. It says, when Thought Gorger enters the battlefield, put a 1-1 counter on it for each card in your hand. If you do, discard your hand. Well, so that's sounds... not a May ability. Right, you have to do it. So if you've got six cards, if you activate Alesha... Have six cards in your hand. Thought Gorger becomes an eight-eight, tapped and attacking. You discard the six cards in your hand. That sounds horrible, but there's more text. When Thought Gorger leaves the battlefield, draw a card for each one-one counter on it. Hey, look at that! You get to refill your hand. Yep. So you just keep bashing somebody until the point where they kill it, or you can get it killed, and then you just refill your hand. And then what'd you do? You got six cards in your graveyard that you used with Alesha. 
Yep. And then you replaced them, so you didn't actually lose any cards there. Yeah, there's a little period of time in between where you don't have the cards that you threw away. But again, this is a card that, again, you're deciding when it comes into the battlefield. And yep. also, very notably, it's when it leaves the battlefield it triggers, not when it goes to the graveyard, which is really important because this means that if someone puts it back to your hand, if someone exiles bounces it, it, exiles it, yeah, you still get the ability, which is really, really important. The scary things are things like Song of Dryads, Pacifism, right? things that take care of it so it can't attack, but don't actually make it leave the battlefield. So you have to watch out a little bit for that, but... I mean, very, that's very why powerful. I would recommend you put at least one sacrifice outlet in here. Yeah, and like, there's still going to be a couple sack outlets. Every yeah. deck needs them, so mm-hmm. you're still going to have them for sure. Yep. Um, another card that's uh, good just for black in general. Uh, black likes to put stuff in the graveyard. Entomb is sort of the classic example of this. Buried Alive is one that we like. It's a two and a black for a sorcery. It says, search your library for up to three creature cards and put them into your graveyard, then shuffle your library. Super simple, very important, because you get to choose what three cards go in there. This is essentially a tutor for three cards with Alesha. If you're on turn five, you can go find any creature in your deck. Master of Cruelties, if it looks open, mm-hmm. it's probably the one you're going to go get. And you can literally, if like, if you're on turn five and you look around and somebody's tapped out and has no blockers, yeah, you have Barry Live in your hand, you can literally kill them by going and putting Master of Cruelties and two other things in your graveyard, then attacking with Alesha, activating, putting Master of Cruelties in, you're dead. Yeah, it's also great for cards like Anger um, yep. and any of those cards that have abilities. Want to be in the graveyard. They want to be in the graveyard, yeah. yeah so, very um, powerful. Okay, so moving into the same section, we're in self-mill, but now we're talking about a little bit more expensive cards. Uh, we talked about Wheel of Fortune already. Chandra Ablaze is a very good one. Oh, right, a Planeswalker. We don't really talk about Planeswalkers too much on this show, but they are very powerful. The only thing is they're very specific. So if a Planeswalker really matches what you're wanting to do, it's great. Otherwise, a lot of the times, they kind of just, they're on the fringe of most yeah. of my decks. Um you want to read Chandra? Sure. She's four and two red for a five loyalty Planeswalker. Her plus one is discard a card. If it's a red card, then Chandra Blaze deals four damage to target creature or player. So it's already doing one thing you want, which is discard a card, and you're getting effect from it. So you might put a creature that you want mm-hmm. to uh, reanimate with Alesha into the graveyard, deal four damage to something, which maybe clears the way for the attack, yep. and then you get that creature directly into play for two mana. So that's good. Also, her negative two is relevant. It says... Each player discards his or her hand, then draws three cards. Yeah, that's nice. It's awesome because not only does it disrupt everybody else and probably take a lot of cards out of their hand, but all those cards that you put in the graveyard, every creature card is still usable to Mm -hmm. you. So your graveyard is actually an extension of your hand, whereas hopefully theirs isn't. Yeah, and it makes some of your creatures better as well, like Sewer Nemesis. Yep. And then her ultimate, although you will usually never get to it, is also relevant. So... It says, negative seven, cast any number of red instants or sorcery cards from your graveyard without paying their mana costs. Yeah, and she comes in with five loyalty, by the way, so this actually isn't that far out. It's not totally um, crazy. Yeah. yeah. Your deck isn't built to make the full use of this, however, because you mostly want to have creatures in your graveyard, but it's still, it's a, it's a possibility. For sure. It's, it's, it's definitely possible you would use it, although most of the time you're using the plus one and the minus two still. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Chandra's a really good fit for this deck. Um, I'm glad you included her on here just because we don't get to talk about Planeswalkers too often. Um, Also, I just think in general, and this is why you like to play these cards so much, cards like Wheel of Fortune or Reforge the Soul, is that there's going to be someone that drops a card like Consecrated Sphinx or just any number of just massive ways to abuse card draw. And being able to make that person pitch their entire hand to the graveyard makes your chances of winning the game so much better especially if you're in the position to make more use out of it than they are. I mean, Molten Psyche literally kills people who went too crazy on card draw. Mm-hmm. You know, if they've got a Consecrated Sphinx out and they got 50 cards in their hand, 
Molten Psyche kills them. Yeah. They have to discard 50 cards and draw 50 cards. So that type of effect super powerful. Um, one more expensive card in the self-mill category. You mentioned it earlier. Mm-hmm. Entomb. Yeah, so Entomb is the uh, the cheapest way to get a card into your graveyard, specifically at instant speed. It's one of the most iconic cards in Magic. It's one black for an instant. Search your library for a card and put that card into your graveyard, then shuffle your library. So it's really good because it's any card. It's at instant speed, and it only costs one. So there's a lot more flexibility with a card like this. It's super, super crazy powerful in a deck like this. Go find any card. Again, Master of Cruelties. Put mm-hmm. it in there for one mana at instant speed. Um, so it's a two, It's just straight up a tutor for one mana. Yeah. It's also great against, and this doesn't happen as often, but if someone plays a bribery and tries to steal a card out of your deck... You, you can, can really quickly grab the best one and <laughs> yeah, put it in like, there. No, you don't get it. <laughs> um, so... The next category I'm calling protecting Alesha. So if we recall, Guillaume said that he felt that Alesha was really easy to kill because of only two toughness. Now, Mm. I'm assuming this means that at a certain point, it became hard for Alesha to attack. Yeah, people are going to want to block her. And all you need is a 4-4. Yeah, exactly. So you need ways to make it so that she doesn't die when when, when you're attacking. Now... I think this doesn't mean that you need to increase her toughness. It means you need to increase ways by which she doesn't die to other creatures yeah. when she's attacking. So This is also very... Uh, this is the exact same problem that every Kali deck runs into as well. Yeah, because um, she's little. Yeah, she's little. And you have to attack with her to get her to do her thing. Now, she can fly, which is a little mm-hmm. better, but in general, yeah, it's very easy to get rid of a 2-2. Yep. So here's some ways to protect Alesha. Uh this card, I think, might be, if I could only add one card to the deck, it would mm-hmm. probably be this card. It's Reconnaissance. Uh, we talked about it last week. It's it, so good. It's very deck. good. Um, Reconnaissance is pay one white mana for an enchantment. It says pay zero, remove target attacking creature you control from combat, and untap it. So you can do this after Alesha's attacked, after you've activated her ability, then they block with their 4-4, and you go, okay, I take Alesha out of combat yeah. so she doesn't die. It's kind of like giving it a regeneration shield. It just removes them from combat. They don't get any damage done to them because the combat damage step happens. They are no longer involved in combat. Um, it's amazing because you can do this to the creatures that she puts in as well. So yeah, if, if you, you want to bring in Disciple of Bolas just to uh, draw cards, but you don't want it to die, then mm-hmm. you can just save it. Or Kiki Jiki. Yep. Yeah, perfect target for this one of my favorite things to do is i've got four or five creatures they have one big blocker i can now attack with everything and just pull the thing that they block out of combat and save it so i'm not just throwing away a creature yeah that's pretty good yeah you can also do this after combat damage has been dealt at the end of combat phase just to untap it just to give it vigilance basically yeah 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 totally so it's just so useful in this deck very very powerful uh it's not an expensive card i would definitely say this has to go in yeah, it's one of those cards that you don't really think about how good it is until you find the nice corner cases for it. Um, the next card we have is a land called Rogue's Passage. I generally find myself putting this in almost every single deck uh, that I have for EDH. It's very good. Uh, you can tap it to add one colorless to your mana pool, and for four mana, you can tap it, and it says target creature can't be blocked this turn. So very good for any deck that wants to go Voltron. Uh, very good for a deck like this that just needs to be able to attack and not get blocked it does cost a little bit of mana four is not cheap by any means but the effect is very powerful because this sometimes is a card that just wins you the game i've had this sit on the battlefield and someone go well i'm okay because i can block and then i just tap it and they go oh yes i'm dead now i'm dead yeah Yeah. (laughs) you can also use it on master of cruelties Mm -hmm. you know there's gonna be points at the game where rose passage does just win you the game like that uh just being able to make something blockable because there's that moment you attack with alesha you trigger 
put something onto the battlefield tapped and attacking, and before they declare blockers, you activate Rogue's Passage and make something unblockable, and now yeah. they cannot block it. Exactly. It's not when they attack. It's just as long as the creature is attacking at the time you activate the ability. Yep. Um, another card I like in the protecting Alesha category is Eroas, God of Victory. This guy's great. Yeah, he's two and a red and a white, so four mana total for a legendary creature god. He's a 7-4, has indestructible. As long as your devotion to red and white is less than 7, Eros isn't a creature. Doesn't matter. I mean, he might turn to a creature sometimes, but you don't care. Because um, he's indestructible. But it's the next two things that, that are really good. One is creatures you control can't be blocked except by two or more creatures. Very relevant. This comes into play almost all the time. Yep. And then prevent all damage that would be dealt to attacking creatures you control. So now your creatures just cannot die in combat. Yeah. Yep. Which is amazing because they don't you still deal damage to them. So your first strike, your death touch, all that yep. stuff still hits them. You just don't take any damage in return. And this is great because you can attack with impunity. You just don't care. Yep. You, you just, just attack with Alicia in. just to pull off your triggered ability, and then whatever's attacking with her also can't die. Yeah. And it's hard for them to block this stuff because they have to block with two creatures each. So yeah, very powerful. Very, very good. Um, another great card that is a service staple in every uh, deck that I have, Whisper Silk Cloak. Uh, three mana for an artifact equipment, and it gives the creature Shroud, and it also cannot be blocked, and it costs two to equip. So Shroud is great. Uh, it's the stronger version of Hexproof. The only thing that... The, the big thing is that you cannot enchant a creature that has Shroud. You cannot it's, equip other things onto it. But it's the it's weaker version, really, because you can't actually target it. Right. But it's stronger in that less things can target it, I guess. Yeah, in general. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but the big thing here is that it, it's it's unblockable. Um, this card's great in any deck like Edric or decks that just want to get someone through, and Whisper Silk Cloak is definitely one of the equipments, the premier equipments you can put in this deck. Uh, and the last one in this category, and it's a little bit counterintuitive, but it's Gorgon's Head. So Gorgon's Head is a one-mana artifact equipment it says equipped creature has death touch and it has an equip cost of two because alesha already has first strike death touch is extremely powerful on her because mm -hmm. if she's given death touch now she's almost impossible to block because she'll just kill something before it can hit her it doesn't matter how much toughness it has it doesn't matter how much power it has it actually has to have first strike mm -hmm. to and then it'll just trade so death touch will protect alesha a lot and make it so you can attack with impunity also yeah very good um, okay, now to the last category where we're just going to call other highlights. So other cool things. Uh, this guy you mentioned earlier has to be in the deck. Anger, the weirdest looking dude on the planet. <laughs> um, at least the original art is. Uh, it's a creature incarnation for three and a red. It has haste itself. and It says as long as anger is in your graveyard and you control a mountain, creatures you control have haste. So very powerful. Um, in general, just being able to stick this guy in the graveyard and giving all of your creatures haste is just good. It's very hard to deal with and interact with. People usually would just leave Anger in there for the rest of the game. And you just get free haste the free whole haste game. Free haste for the whole game, yeah. And this is a deck that wants to put cards in the graveyard and easily can do so. So Anger is, a, uh, I think, a must-put in, in a deck like this. Yeah, for sure. Especially when, you know, Alesha's going to die sometimes. That's yeah. just the nature of it. Somebody's going to point us out swords to plowshares at her. Mm -hmm. And late game, you're going to want to be able to put her out, swing, and put something into the battlefield. Yep, for sure. So, oh, this next one is a really cool interaction. It's Peacekeeper. So Peacekeeper is two and a white for a 1-1. One, one. Uh, it says creatures cannot attack. Stay with me here. It also says at the beginning of your upkeep, you have to sacrifice Peacekeeper unless you play one and a white. So here's how this works. Activate Alesha, 
bring Peacekeeper in. Peacekeeper's already attacking. You're already attacking. It doesn't stop this attack. Mm -hmm. It just stops everybody else from attacking. Now it comes to your upkeep. You don't pay. Oh, right. You don't pay the upkeep cost. Peacekeeper goes away. Now you can attack again because Peacekeeper's not on the battlefield. You can bring him out again. Yeah, if you Bring him out again. Stop all attacks. If you're ever down to 1v1... And you, and you get this combo out, it's going to be very hard for them to kill you because they can't attack because you're just turning off attacks on their turn but not yours. Yeah, especially with all the other ways we have of controlling the attack step with like reconnaissance and ear yep. loss and stuff. This is just a great way to lock down the board. And also, I mean, you can, you can piss other people off, sure, but they're not going to be able to attack you, so... They have to remove the Peacekeeper. Yeah, or find some other way to kill you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, true. Yeah, which does happen, <laughs> admittedly. But in general, attacking is still, I think, the way that I'd say 90% of games end unless someone's going infinite. Uh, Retribution of the Meek, one of my favorite board wipes uh, for any token deck, and this deck in particular. It's two and a white for a sorcery that says, destroy all creatures with power four or greater, they can't be regenerated. So you just wipe the big stuff, and since most of your stuff is small... You're doing quite all right. You're doing quite all right. And also, who cares if your stuff is small? You're going to bring it back anyway if it yep. is get bigger. If it does get bigger, if it's like one of the uh, star star creatures. Yeah, if you kill your ignition team, whatever, it costs you two mana next turn to get it out, or <laughs> yeah. maybe that turn. The next card is Aggravated Assault. It's two and a red for an enchantment. It says pay three and two red, so five mana total. Untap all creatures you control. After this main phase, there is an additional combat phase, followed by an additional main phase. Activate this ability only any time you could cast a sorcery, so it gives you extra combat steps, mm-hmm. which means extra Alesha activations. This is sort of something late game to give you more punch to be able to, you know, win those longer games. Yeah, notably, this is also one of the uh, when we talked about combos. Uh, this card goes infinite with Savage Ventmaw. Yep, but although you can't have Ventmaw yeah. in this deck, there's <laughs> no this green. Deck. Yeah. Uh, next up, we have Anarchist, four and a red for a very creepy-looking human wizard. I always want to call him Antichrist. Antichrist. Don't do that. Do not do that. He's yeah. just an anarchist. He, he believes in nothing. No, that would be a, uh, <laughs> nihilist. a nihilist. I believe in nothing, Lebowski. <laughs> Take the $4, man. man. <laughs> I would say more from that movie, but I realize it's not PG-13. The yeah. Things they say. All right. You have to be real uh, careful. When Anarchist enters the battlefield, you may return target sorcery card from your graveyard to your hand. So that's great. He's a 2-2, so you can bring him back with Alesha as well. And lots of Lots of targets with that if you want to build it that way. And a sorcery, you probably never have to bring back because when you cast this, you will win. Yeah. Uh, and it's our last card that we're going to talk about, and it's a total win condition. It's Living Death. Living Death. I love this card. Yeah. Each player exiles all creature cards from his or her graveyard, then sacrifices all creatures he or she controls, then puts all cards he or she exiled this way onto the battlefield. So all your cards in play die, all your dead stuff comes back to life, and now you have a bajillion creatures in play. Yeah. Yep. If you time this right and you can have anger actually um, out on the battlefield when oh, you do nice. it so that it goes in the graveyard, you can have haste. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've also got a deck that half of its purpose is actually milling itself. Yeah. So your graveyard is much bigger than everyone else's. This is just totally like I win a lot of times. Okay, here's my best case scenario. Okay. You have a either Phyrexian altar or Ashnod's altar out. You have a bunch of creatures out. You attack with Alesha. You pay two white. You bring anger out. Everyone's like, what are you doing? I'm not blocking anger. You at second main, you kill everything with your altars except for anger. Although I guess the the haste doesn't matter at that point. Oh my! No, it does matter. Aggravated assault. It's true. You have aggravated assault out. You have the extra mana from sacking all your creatures. <laughs> yes, I believe in myself. Living magical death. Christmas land. Magical happened. Christmas land. Santa Claus is singing. <laughs> Rudolph is flying over. 
And living death is happening. So yep. the most Christmassy effect in the world, living death. And anger has a big red nose. <laughs> yeah, anger definitely does have a big red nose. <laughs> um, oh, I should also mention if you have a lot of money, you should buy Imperial Recruiter and put it in this deck too. Oh, yeah. If you have a lot of money. I didn't even mention it because it's even above and beyond yeah, the expensive, expensive cards. Clearly, Guillaume, yeah. whatever. Actually, Guillaume, if you have enough money for Imperial Recruiter, don't. Just build another deck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's not... But you should get Kiki-Jiki for this deck if you do have some dollars. Kiki's pretty good, too, because you've got a lot of enter-the-battlefield effects. Yep. Yep, so, yep, yep. And you can always bring Kiki back because everyone will always kill Kiki as soon as possible. Yeah. All right. Poor we, Kiki. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't feel sorry for him. I do. <laughs> That's just me, though. It's because he's your spirit animal. Yeah, exactly. Um, so we can't talk about every card, obviously, but uh, the... The main, the main part of this deck doctoring is we want to abuse Alesha's ability. We want to use it to the maximum effect, and we want to do it in a way that's repeatable, that you can get a lot of value out of, and also is sustainable over the long run and doesn't just um, doesn't lose to an easy strategy. For, so like a board wipe, obviously, doesn't affect this deck too much, which is nice. And Alesha has a lot of staying power. Yep. Right. Um, okay, so what, what's going to happen is on, in the show notes, there will be a before and an after. So you'll be able to see what Guillaume's deck looked like before we doctored it and then what we suggest it looks like afterwards. So you can look at both of those uh, deck lists on Tapped Out. They'll be in the show notes. Um, and then, of course, we'd love it if you go to the comment section in Rock, on Rocket Jump and... Or on throw, YouTube. Or on YouTube and throw in your two cents about what cards you think might should be in there. Or, uh, mm-hmm. Might should be. <laughs> <laughs> might should be maybe in there. And and that will really help because you know we we can't think of everything. We're damn it, Jim. I'm a doctor, not a scientist. scientist. Wait, that didn't work. Damn it, Jimmy. I'm a deck doctor, not a magician. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're still working on that part of it, but whatever. Go to the comment section. Help us out here. Yeah, clearly we also cannot think of the best joke for that situation. Where so. are the girls from Magic the Amateuring when I need them? They would they, have had something funny would, there. Yeah, they would have They totally would have bailed us out. Dang. Maybe Dang we should it. just quit the podcast at this point. <laughs> <laughs> All right, time for the end step. Something cool outside the world of Magic. What you got, Josh? I'm putting it on you because I don't got anything. <laughs> I, ha- I do have something cool. Oh, um, I watched the pilot episode for a new show. It's a USA show, but don't count that against it it's called mr robot oh I, I i have something to say about this too but yeah keep going um i liked it that's what i have to say i it, there's it only about? there's only one episode it's sort of about a idealistic young hacker who's disillusioned with the world um there's more to it than that christian slater's in it which also there's a lot of things that make cool. you think it would be bad like christian slater being <laughs> in it and it's on usa but it's actually pretty good i like the main guy he was in i think he was in needs me yeah. I think he was in Need for Speed, oh, okay. um, which also doesn't speak very highly of him. But despite all of those <laughs> things, the show was actually compelling and pretty interesting. I did enjoy it. I'm looking forward to the second episode. Um, I think it premieres on the 24th. Cool. Anyway, you can find it on demand right now. I do recommend checking it out. Uh, I can't say the series is going to be awesome, but the first episode, pretty good. Yeah, and I uh, actually ran into the show earlier today. I was watching Twitch coverage of E3, and uh, Mr. Robot was doing a sort of a viral campaign stream oh. where they had a couple of guys in sort of the anonymous masks, hacker masks, and doing thing in this room. And what they were doing is they were giving away codes every, I don't know, how for, however many minutes, maybe 30 minutes or something. And you could go to the website, enter the code, in, and they were giving away money for students to help pay off student loans. Oh, very so cool. They were giving away $100,000 total, and you could win like packages of $5,000. So it kind of had the, uh, you know, fight the system feel to it while also just being a really cool thing they're giving away tons of money to all these people that could pay off a student loan which is really cool so they're also very awesome 
in the way that they're doing prize giveaways like us. So yeah. that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. I was actually, I was, I, I w- waited and I found the code and I entered it. So like, this is a really good viral ma- marketing campaign because how many people are in this age range that they want to watch this show and also are suffering from this problem of having student loans. Yeah. Yeah. Very smart. All right, uh, make sure to check out our sister podcast, The Masters of Modern. Alex and Ben do a great job on that show, breaking down modern, talking about competitive magic. You can find them on Twitter at the TheMMCast. Yes, modern is getting very interesting these days. Lots of really cool decks and archetypes and stuff. And Elves deck just won a modern uh, yeah, pretty GP crazy Charlotte, which is great, yeah. Well, this is the time for modern because Modern Masters 2015 came out. Mm-hmm. A lot more people are sort of getting into modern than were there before, uh, shaking up the format. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exciting times for them. Our editor for the show is Eli Cuevas. Thank you so much, Eli. He edits the videos as well as the uh, audio portions of the show, so you can check out all of that work if you go to our YouTube page. And special thanks to Jeffrey Palmer for doing the Living Card animations at Living Cards MTG, which are on the YouTube video. you got to check those out. They are really cool, and they add a lot of... Yeah, super depth. dynamic. Yeah, super dynamic. They make the videos seem way cooler. Uh, but they are cool in general. I'm not saying they weren't cool before. They're just cooler now. We're just always upping the cool quotient. Yeah, the Say cool that ranch three burritos. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. <laughs> and we'll see you next time. Peace. Thank you for your attention. For further inquiries, send an email to commandcast at rocketjump.com or ask us on Twitter at JF Wong and at Josh Lee Kwai. See you later. Greetings, humans. (laughs) Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.